0: Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter joined, as always, by my recruiting analyst, Jared Hollis here for BeaversEdge.com. We're back with another edition of the Edge Podcast, USC Week. Beavers set to kick off Pac-12 play. Again, I'm your host, Brendan Slaughter. Happy to be back again with you guys. Jared, how are things with you, my man?
1: Things are well. Things are going well, really well. Can't complain. Weather's great. Um, I love this time of year. This is always a really good time of year. start. Getting used to having football on again, um, you know, start to work a little harder because there's not as much incentive to go outside. <laughs> so it's always a good time here. I'm doing well. How about yourself?
0: Uh, doing good. You know, uh, it's 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 definitely starting to get to be fall around here. You know, in the Pacific Northwest. You know, Beaver fans will know quite well that uh, fall came in full fashion this last weekend against Idaho. Is the fans that were there definitely uh, got their money's worth uh, as far as uh, having this, you know, fight through the rain gear. So yeah, it's, it's, it feels like fall and you know, it's it's kind of weird because we've gotten some warm days and some cold days and, you know, kind of just that last little bit of summer. So you definitely know football is on the horizon and, you know, to be honest with you, Jared, I don't know if there's anything, you know, um, more exciting right now than what uh, Jonathan Smith and his uh Staff and team uh, got on deck this week. Not only as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, the Beavers kick off Pac-12 play against USC in the Coliseum on Saturday night. Uh, Oregon State also picked up a huge transfer uh, on Wednesday after or Wednesday morning, excuse me, landing former Florida outside linebacker edge rusher Andrew Chatfield. Jared, you and I have, you know, broken this down at BeaversEdge.com at length now. Uh, we've each had, you know, kind of pieces on it. Before we kind of dive into, you know, the player that Chatfield's going to be for the Beavers, just kind of talk about how this came to be. How did Jonathan Smith and co. land yet another four-star transfer out of the transfer portal?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's getting, it's getting pretty crazy at this point. It seems like seems like Oregon State has definitely earned the title of, of transfer portal U. Uh, at least in the Pac-12 or on the West Coast. So it's, it's, it's getting pretty wild. Chatfield's a, a great player and super highly recruited guy, not a guy that Oregon State was involved with even uh, coming out of high school. So it was interesting to see that. But, you know, as we reported, they, they had him on the sidelines for the Idaho game. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, maybe that was a, a good game for him to see, you know, because obviously you hear a lot about what's going on in Corvallis right now. But to see it firsthand – uh, certainly, probably helped that decision-making process. So it was definitely crazy, um, but shouldn't be unexpected at, at this point.
0: Yeah, you know, it was it was one of those things that uh, you know when when we first kind of heard the the, the um, kind of news that he was on campus, we're like, okay, you know, checking things out. You know, Florida guy, and then all of a sudden, you know, real quick, you know, we hear boom coming to Oregon State. Jared, how much does this just mean that Jonathan Smith's message just continues to resonate uh, even in midseason when, you know, it's like, you know, obviously the Beavers are, you know, building up, you know, their incoming class and whatnot and focused on, you know, the task at hand, which, you know, as I've mentioned, a huge game against USC this weekend, one of the biggest games of the Jonathan Smith tenure, and you still are able to, you know, stay strong on the recruiting trail. Just kind of talk about how impressive it is to be able to land a midseason acquisition uh, like this. You know, just given the the talent that Chatfield has,
1: it's honestly, you know, to me, it's 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 not even super surprising. And and the reason because of that is is we, you know, I talked about I, th- I did a story about it even before the season started. Um, just it, it, that if they want to continue turning that corner, and if they want to you know continue landing the, the type of guys that they have been, then the next step is to show the progress on the field um, so obviously you know wins against Idaho and, and Hawaii are what they are uh, but at the same time you know as you mentioned you've got a huge opportunity this week versus USC um, and you know we were talking about it before we started recording uh, and and you were just saying you know if, if they can pull it out this weekend you feel like the floodgates would open and you know, that's that's kind of what's been the vision this whole time, I feel like, for, for the staff. And, you know, they've, they've gotten some good wins along the way. Obviously, I mentioned Oregon uh, last year. And, you know, if they were able to, to pull this one off, then, again, it just – it shouldn't even really feel surprising to many people at this point because they've already done it. You know, Chatfield, as good as he is, he's not the first four-star guy or first SEC guy that they've landed from the portal. Uh, so it's only gonna get better if as long as the team gets continues to get better. And and so far that's looking to be the case.
0: Absolutely. And you know, just right off the right off the cuff, Jared, the, the comparison that I made right away is, you know, while he hasn't, you know, yet been able to, you know, play extensively at Oregon State, this is another like Addison Gums type player, in my opinion, just in the sense of like you look at the build, six foot one, two hundred and fourteen pounds that just nasty first step off the edge, you know, as, as long as, you know, he's you know able to play and healthy and all those things, which we expect from Chatfield, obviously, as he played uh, one snap earlier this year at Florida, I, I just think he's a guy that, you know, as long as health is not a question of, of any means, he could be a guy who could step in and theoretically compete for a starting job right away.
1: It, it does seem that way. You know, he's, he's like a, he's a hybrid type of guy. So they could, they could do a lot of different things with him. Uh, so there's a lot of different reasons to be excited about, about the new addition. And, you know, as you said, it, he's, he's definitely one to be excited about one that you could see on the field as early as he's available, which is, which is next year, just due to the, the NCAA's eligibility rules. So not going to be able to, uh, to experience anything from him this year, but certainly will be fun to, to watch his development in the next year, see him get acclimated to the program in the same way that all the other transfer guys have. And, and hopefully be that instant impact guy that we think he can be.
0: Again, uh, Brendan Slaughter, Jared Hallis here for beaversedge.com. Talk about Andrew Chatfield, a former Florida outside linebacker, class of 2018, uh, coming to Oregon State, coming to Corvallis. He'll sit out this year and then have two years to play uh, starting uh, in 2022. And, uh, Jared, just kind of uh, the last thing I-, I wanted to mention with this, uh, just on Chatfield, one of the things I found very in- intriguing is, like, for a Beaver fan, and you just kind of know, and I think there were several posts even made on the damn board about this. Just kind of like, here's a guy that, just from what we know, you know, with what the Beavers, you know, recruiting message is and, and the state of their program, there have been some guys who arguably didn't necessarily consider Oregon State real seriously out of high school and then, you know, end up ending up at Oregon State. And, you know, I think just for Beaver fans, You know, I I think that more than anything, they they get really excited when they see a guy coming into Corvallis that a was a Florida uh, signee, and then before that was an Ohio State commitment. So you're just talking about the 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 level of recruits at Florida and Ohio State. I mean, this is this is a you know a, a big win. And you look at the offer sheet he had and everything else; he had options, Jared, as you mentioned, coming out of even transferring. And the Beavers weren't really you know with him there and coming out of high school so that part of it's a little surprising to me
1: well it's I mean it's it is it is a little surprising but at the same time it's kind of like you know for a funny comparison it's kind of like that that girl that you had a crush on in middle school when you you were just an ugly young buck <laughs> she, she didn't like to to give you any attention but then you glow up a little bit and now all of a sudden everybody wants to top on the bandwagon, right? That's kind of that's kind of what we're seeing happen here. In I like that. It's it's. I mean, it's, it's a great thing. Uh, but you know, the the ultimate goal is that hopefully you won't have to wait for them to to get in the portal. Hopefully you can get them right out of college and you know keep them from going into the portal to begin with. Uh, but for now they're obviously making the steps necessary to get to that point. Uh, and you know continuing to just bolster the roster with guys that are, are difference makers and in, in our eyes and so far proven to be difference makers on the field as well.
0: Yeah. It's certainly been impressive just right off the bat, you know, uh, seeing what the Beavers have been able to continue to do through that transfer portal. And, you know, they, they keep us on our, on our toes to be honest with you, Jared. I mean, you know, coming into, coming into this year, you and I were like, you know, number one priority for the Beavers is finding that, you know, uh, graduate transfer or just transfer defensive lineman that didn't necessarily, you know, happen outside of Keontae Shad. And, you know, now they just kind of bide their time and wait and, you know, end up adding in a really talented guy. And, you know, it just kind of encompassing it all together. A great story that you did for Beaver's Edge this morning. It just adds another list to the players who have transferred in under Jonathan Smith. And just my last point before we move ahead and wrap up the non-conference and look to USC. Uh, Jared, just from, from that perspective, how important and, you know, just key has it been to this rebuild of Jonathan Smith to be able to fill in the gaps of maybe, you know, not signing the complete class you wanted, but then getting a couple impact players a year or so down the line.
1: Yeah, it's it's it is big for them, and it's it's big for the entire team because, again, we've heard a lot about how they're not able to to get that guy. That's always been the knock so far is just they're not able to land someone on the defensive line. Um, and you know, you talk about filling positions of need. And they have been able to do that. You know, they've, they've proven in a big way w- with this recruiting class and also just, again, in the portal talking about Keontae Shad. Uh, but they've been able to do that. And I think it's important for, for Coach Smith, but also for Coach Legg,y because, again, people were starting to, to wonder about the, the recruiting capabilities. And, you know, maybe this is just something that they're not going to be able to do, a hump that they just can't get over. But they're proving that to be true, or rather <laughs> proving that to be false so far.
0: Certainly. And, you know, that's just that I, I I mentioned it, you know, in my story and that's why I said, you know, I, I really think that, you know, um, Chatfield's commitment. I I don't think it's coincidental that it comes after Oregon state had, you know, a shutout win against Idaho. I I know it's Idaho, but he was there on the sidelines and was, you know, taking in that Idaho game. And, you know, just from me being there personally, I could kind of tell and have written about that it just kind of seems like everything is kind of arrived. Like we're, we're at the point now where it's like, you know, okay, the Beavers are maybe potentially expected to reach with six wins this year. Now they need to, you know, take care of business and get there. And I think that truthfully, you know uh, it, it starts this weekend with USC, but it, you know, the bowl is not determined by this game on Saturday night, but I think if you can start that track and start showing on a weekly basis, that this team is going to be very competitive in the Pac-12 conference. I think that's only going to help them uh, on the recruiting trail. So, again, make sure to stay uh, tuned and check out uh, all of our coverage on Andrew Chatfield over at BeaversEdge.com. Again, a four-star outside linebacker, class 2018, transferring in to Oregon State. Uh, moving right along now to wrap up uh, the non-conference. So, Jared, Oregon State sits 2-1. and one. They take care of business against Idaho. Get that. Uh, big win, shutout win, first time since 2008. After knocking off Hawaii, they enter uh, against USC at two and one. How did you like how they took care of business in those last two weeks? And do you think they've kind of set themselves up well, momentum-wise, to be able to have a shot to start off Pac-12 play strong?
1: Yeah, I mean they they certainly have. You talked about you know the the wins against Idaho and, and Hawaii and. You know, just that the expectations feel like they're changing a little bit, and you know, again, you've got to take those wins with a grain of salt. But it's more of the way that they did it, um, and you know, just to, to answer the question, they, the team looked really good and they looked really well rounded. I don't care who you're playing against, man. It's, at the college level, if you hold someone to zero points, it's it's pretty impressive. Uh, and it's not like Idaho's a slouch by any means. Obviously, uh, you know, they're not they're not Oregon State. But
0: they, uh, yeah. did they, was it, I think Idaho hung what, I mean, they even put 14 on Indiana the week before. So, yeah, you know, for what that, it's worth.
1: It's a team that you expect to, to find some kind of points. Uh, so obviously great job to, to the defense in that game. Uh, you know, 42 points is also pretty impressive for the offense and they were able to kind of throw some guys in the rotation. So just exactly how we talked about the game going in the, in the podcast last week is, is pretty much how it went. And, you know, you just, you couldn't have asked for it to go any better after the start, you know, obviously the Purdue game didn't go the way that anybody wanted it to go. And uh, I don't think anyone necessarily lost hope after that game, but having these two straight wins is, is a really good bounce back and exactly what the team needed. Now going into USC and the PAC 12 plays again, it, it's a different beast, um, but the, the things are shaping up and there's opportunity ahead and, and you know, at this point in the rebuild, if you will, you, you want to see games like this. I, it's it's going to be competitive. There's no doubt in my mind it's going to be very competitive. I'm personally super excited for this game, but you want to see you want to see them win it, to be quite honest. And, and I, I want to see them win it. Uh, I think they're very, very capable of winning the game. I even put it on the damn board in one of the threads. Um, but, you know, it's it, it's getting exciting. Like you said, it's getting really exciting.
0: Yeah. You know, that's a good point. And and I agree with you completely. You know, it's one of those things where I feel like just from what we've seen from this team, I don't think it's, you know, a Homer ish or, you know, over overly, you know, uh, Captain Beavers to say, I think they can win this game. And, you know, I, I think it's a game that is winnable and one that, you know, if you expect the Beavers to kind of continue that upward ascension, you're like, man, you look at this game and you're like, man, A lot of really good things can come out of this game. And, you know, I think back to a couple years ago, uh, the recruiting success that Oregon State's been able to have in Southern California after they beat UCLA there in 2019. You know, sometimes you can win some recruiting battles if you're able to come into L.A. and get a win. So lots at stake this weekend, but, you know, kind of priming the scene. Uh, I wrote about it yesterday at beaversedge.com. Jared, USC's quarterback situation is a little in flux right now, and I'm curious to know what your thoughts are and how you think that will impact the game. Uh, Keaton Slovis, who was the Trojan starter this year, got knocked out of the Washington State game with a neck injury uh, really early in that contest when they were down to Washington State. Uh, He didn't play again in that game. They moved to Jackson Dart, who obviously came in and led 45 unanswered points, almost 400 yards throwing, I uh, mm-hmm. believe four touchdowns, and since now in the in the couple of days after, Keaton Slovis has been back at practice taking the first team reps, and Jackson Dart has been unavailable, not at practice on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, head coach Dante Williams, you know, they're still waiting to see what his status is, so I think that'll be more of like a game time decision, Jared, and I'm not sure if the Beavers will be going up against. Uh, Slovis or Dart and do you think it makes a big time difference just kind of given that you know emotion of USC you know playing for an interim coach you know uh, obviously Dart had the momentum last week he could be available could not Slovis after last week just how do you interpret all that
1: yeah I mean it's it's a big question mark over there right now It, it really isn't you know, I, I, that was a point that I wanted to make. Obviously, the quarterback situation's a little bit in shambles right now, but we've also got to remember that it was only two weeks ago that, that they got rid of their head coach. Um, so, a lot of big things going on there right now. You mentioned Jackson Dark coming in and, and lighting it up. And, you know, Washington State, respectfully, is a team that I feel like USC should have beat. Um, so, you know, it, it was, I think people, some people were maybe a little bit surprised to see them. You know, score the way that they did, and and you know, play defense the way they did, especially in the second half against Washington State. Um, but at the same time, I've got Oregon State over Washington State, uh, and so I, I think.
0: Agreed. Again, yeah.
1: I expect a better contest this week, and you know, regardless of the quarterback situation, I really don't think it matters. I, I still, I still, I think my prediction remains the same.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to me. I think you know, if Jackson Dart was healthy and they elected to go with Slovis, I think that might divide USC just a I little agree.
1: bit. I agree. It um, would that, it's, like a, it's like a Jalen Hurts or, or Tua situation. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And I think, you know, uh, obviously, you know, Jackson Dart didn't practice Tuesday and Wednesday, his status for Thursday uh, up in the air. And we'll have to wait and see if he goes on Saturday. But you know, we've seen this Jared with, you know, the time, time and time again. I mean, I could see USC being a team that was like, Hey, you know, we just crushed Washington state. We got this new freshman quarterback, you know, who's this clay Helton guy. We're, you know, we're back we're USC we're this or that. Yeah. And it makes you wonder that if going into the game, say dart is hurt and can't play, or they just choose to go with Slovis, I just wonder if maybe that you know, kind of dampers some of their momentum that they had against Washington state.
1: It would be, it would be super interesting. And I mean, personally speaking, I, again, not knowing the situation that's going on at USC or why Dart's been unable to practice, but I just feel like if he's, if he's fully healthy and he's fully confident, you've got to give him the, the go. Just, it's just like, you know, the, the old saying goes, you feed the hot hand. And uh, that's, that's the situation that that's how I interpret the situation. So if it were me, I know who I'd be starting, but I'm also uh, not nearly the mind that these guys are. <laughs> so whatever, whatever decision they make, you know, you've got to believe that it was the right one for the team. But regardless, again, I don't, I don't know if it would change anything for me as far as how I expect the game to go.
0: Yeah, and regardless, uh, Oregon yeah. State will for sure. Oregon State will have their hands full with who's ever under center. Obviously, it's USC. So Keaton Slovis and Jackson Dart, both incredibly talented quarterbacks, and Uh, This last weekend, obviously, receiver Drake London just exploded uh, against Washington State. So the Beavers will have the secondary, which has struggled a little bit at times this year, maybe even more than a little bit. They'll have their hands full. And I think uh, Drake London is going to be the same kind of matchup problem that David Bell was uh, for Purdue, where he was kind of able to, you know, get loose for some big gains. And I think that's going to be a challenge for Tim Tinnisar's group is going to be, you know, doing their best to keep these um, USC skill position players um, in front of them just as best they can because they've got quite a few of talented guys. And then uh, on the other side of the ball, uh, Jared, how do you like Oregon State's uh, offense just in general versus USC's defense? Uh, I wrote about earlier this week, if you can believe it, folks, Oregon State threw three games. Granted, you take Idaho and Hawaii for what it is. Oregon State has the most explosive offense by yards in the Pac-12, the most yards recorded through three weeks. I think, Jared, that on that side of the ball, I think if the Beavers play like they've shown and are capable under with Chance Nolan under center these last couple weeks, that they should be able to score on this Trojans team.
1: I wholeheartedly agree. I, I don't think there's a team that they can't score against. Um, to me, this, this ball
0: prediction. I like it. I like it.
1: <laughs> I mean, this this uh this offense has sort of reminded me, I, I mentioned that a few weeks ago, of the, you know, the, the Jake Luton, Isaiah Hodgins, uh, Jamar Jefferson kind of era, where they just, they've got options, you know, and there's, you're, you're comfortable doing whatever. And not only that, but the coaches are, are more comfortable calling whatever, because they know that they can rely on somebody to execute, you know, you've got weapons everywhere and the offensive line uh, has, has picked up their performance again as well. So, I love it. I love it. I love the offense right now. Trey Lowe's proven to be the, the steal of the century. Um, again, I mentioned it last week, but I think BJ Baylor's proven to be that guy as well. Uh, you know, and even if he wasn't, you you fall back on Deshaun Fenwick then, uh, who, you know, it's just it's it's getting to one of those things where when you get to this point in an era, you want to see reloading, not not rebuilding. And that's what you're starting to see happen. Uh, at Oregon state, there's talent everywhere. And even after those guys, there's, there's more, more talent waiting to, to come on. So it's all going well. And, and I, I'm confident in the offense against USC and, and anybody else. And I don't want to kind of like a homer take either. I, you know, you, you talked about that and I wholeheartedly agree. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't seem like that. Obviously you and I have both picked Oregon state to win all three of their games so far this season. But I mean, in our, in our defense, they were all three winnable games and, uh, they they've won two of them so I, we're not we're not being homers or I mean I live in Georgia <laughs> for crying out loud so I, I have no reason to be a homer but
0: yeah
1: you just you just gotta believe in the capabilities of this team
0: yeah it's interesting because you know I was talking with you know someone who's you know pretty close you know just with Oregon State and was kind of saying unlike previous years Jared where you would go through a schedule for Oregon State and go yeah that one's gonna be tough. Yeah, that one's going to be tough. Yeah, that one's going to be really tough. You go through Oregon State's schedule, and are there any games right now where you're like, yeah, Oregon State doesn't have a chance? No, I, I don't believe that to be the case, and I think that's just a testament to how much they built up. I mean, you look at the best team in the conference in Oregon, Beavers beat them last year. So, I mean, I, I don't think that, like, you know, I think the Beavers will have a shot to win every game they play this year.
1: yeah i mean they've got a shot for sure that's a great point there's really nobody on schedule that you look at and say dang it we've got to play those guys again uh or yeah i mean
0: just for just for comparison's sake i mean you know jared you can remember washington a couple years ago utah a couple years ago um you know i'm trying to think of a, a couple other you know games stanford you know when they were at their peak you know like there's there have just kind of been times where I think the Pac-12 was maybe collectively a little bit better, which in this year we've kind of seen up and down play. I think you know as a whole, I think Oregon State can use that to their advantage. And moving along to the last thing we want to talk about, just uh, wrapping up uh, USC again. Uh, Brennan Slaughter, publisher of beaversedge.com. Jared Hollis, recruiting analyst for beaversedge.com. We just got done uh, breaking down Andrew Chatfield's commitment to – or transfer, excuse me, to Oregon State. Also uh, talked about the non-conference and early looks here at this USC game. Uh, Jared, real quick, I just – before we close off, just kind of want to talk about kind of what we think would uh, need to happen for the Beavers to uh, have success and come out of Los Angeles with a win. And I'll go ahead and kind of just start. I think more than anything – the Beavers need to play, you know, to their potential. I don't think they can get, you know, caught up in the moment. Obviously playing in Los Angeles, the Coliseum is a big deal. And against USC, first time they played USC, a couple years, a lot of guys from California on that roster, you know, it's going to be an important game for some of the native Californians and I think if Oregon State plays to their ability, they, they execute on offense, they hold their own on defense, that's not meaning a flawless defense defensive performance, but just enough to hold their own, I think they'll have a chance in this game to get the win in the fourth quarter. Whether or not it's going to happen, you'll have to check back to our staff predictions, beaversedge.com, to know exactly what Jared and I are thinking. But if they're able to move the ball and the defense is able to do enough and kind of limit the explosive raw raw plays from USC. So no kick returns, no big Drake London getting behind the defense for 75-yard gains. I mean, no big chunk kind of momentum-killing plays. And I think the Beavers could control the script in this contest and just maybe come out of L.A. with a win for the first time in 61 years.
1: Wow. That's a stat right there. But no, 19, that's
0: a, that's... 1960, Jared. I I think I can confidently say you were not alive. No,
1: no. Matter of fact, my mother wasn't even alive. And was no, my, my,
0: my folks weren't even around either. So that should, something. <laughs> should tell you something.
1: <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a while for sure. But no, I, I agree with that point. And I think it kind of rolls into mine as well. And, you know, if, it sounds like, it sounds like what you're getting at is just execution. And for me, it's just, it's, it's kind of drowning out the noise and focusing on playing USC. You know, we've, we've obviously mentioned the, the coaching situation there and, and also the quarterback situation there. But at the end of the day, it, it, it's USC. Uh, and obviously, they're, they're not what they have been in the past. But again, it's still USC. So you, you want to prepare as if you're going to play a team that's as good as anybody. Uh, drown out the noise. Don't worry about necessarily who's going to be playing at quarterback. Don't worry about what's going on with their coaches. Don't worry about what's going on over there at all. Focus on yourself, focus on getting better and doing what you need to do to go in there and, and make the play or make the game go the way you want it to. Uh, I think that's that's going to be really important for the preparation this week. Uh, and, you know, if it happens, I think we can see good things.
0: Absolutely. And it's going to be one that we're all dialed into. Again, uh, just a reminder that uh, the game uh, is 7.30 uh, at night. Uh, Oregon State USC from the Coliseum. Jared, uh, it'll be interesting to see um, USC return home and have their first home game uh, without uh, Clay Helton this week, and that's kind of the only other uh, kind of you know storyline that you mentioned. And it, it it will be it will be very interesting to see how the fan base kind of receives this new look Trojan squad.
1: I think they're going to receive it well, honestly. I mean, you, you saw the, the athletic directors post whenever they whenever they did make the the coaching change and, and got rid of Clay Helton and, it was a good statement, you know, it's, it was, it really was. It's, it, for those who didn't see it, basically all it was was talking about was just that they're committed to success and uh, that they want to get back to the team that they have been in the past. And, and obviously it wasn't looking like they were heading in that direction. Um, and a lot of people would probably argue that he should have gotten more time, but it just shows the commitment that they have to getting back to that level. Uh, so honestly, I think, you know, after a statement like that, and I think a lot of USC or USC fans probably feel the same way. I think, I think they probably received it pretty well and they'll probably show out as good as they can on Saturday.
0: Yeah. And again, just a reminder, uh, stay tuned to beaversedge.com. We will obviously have uh, coverage uh, leading up to the game and obviously uh, game day coverage and post-game coverage, the whole nine yards. We're going to have uh, stories leading up to the game. Make sure to check out beaversedge.com for uh, our predictions, our injury report. Uh, Jared will have his starters as recruit story on Saturday as well. That'll be very cool to check out with uh, you know, obviously the high level recruits that USC has on both sides of the feet or both sides of the ball. So that'll be exciting to check out as well. And again, 7:30 p.m. Fox Sports One uh, will be uh, where you guys can find that game. And make sure to check out BeaversEdge.com as Jared and I will have our predictions tomorrow and a whole bunch of other uh, pre-USC content as well. So that'll go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Edge Podcast. Make sure to tune. Back in next week, we'll be previewing uh, Oregon State-Washington, recapping this USC game and uh, breaking down what's next for Beaver football. So, again, big thanks to my recruiting analyst, Jared Hollis. This is Brendan Slaughter signing off on this edition of the Edge Podcast.